Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind. My name is Jane, and this is the podcast where I talk about my most frequently rewatched movies after 20 years of keeping track. Today, I will be discussing my 37th most watched movie, Act 3 Communications' 1987 fantasy adventure comedy, The Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner, written by William Goldman based on his novel, and starring Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, and Mandy Patinkin. This is another film like Mary Poppins that I'm not even sure I have to summarize. I feel like it's so deeply ingrained in popular culture that anyone who is even vaguely familiar with the concept of movies knows Princess Bride. Even if you somehow haven't seen it, you've almost certainly heard it quoted. I mean, it's got inconceivable and as you wish and mowage and of course, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die among many, many other extremely quotable lines. But just in case you've forgotten what it's about, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. The Princess Bride is a story being read to a boy, Fred Savage, by his grandfather, Peter Falk, and tells of the beautiful young woman Buttercup, Robin Wright, and her handsome farm boy, Wesley, Carrie Elwes, whose love overcomes a plethora of obstacles, including pirates, kidnappers, eels, cliffs, swords, poison, fire, quicksand, large rodents, a sadistic six-fingered count, a torture machine, and a prince who wants to marry but also murder Buttercup. This movie used to be on TV all the time when I was young, so I remember catching bits and pieces of it a lot, but I can't recall exactly when I first watched it all the way through. The main first impressions I remember are being terrified of the ROUSs, rodents of unusual size, and not really understanding what was going on. But I know I had figured it out and grown to appreciate it well before I started tracking the movies I watched. Once I started keeping track, I saw it once in 2003, once in 2004, twice in 2005, once in 2006, twice in 2007, once in 2008, twice in 2009, and once each in 2012, 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2021. Fifteen times total. If you've listened to my previous episodes, you may be wondering how on earth I'm going to argue that The Princess Bride is not a romantic film, and the answer is, I'm not. Though there is a lot of non-romantic stuff going on throughout the movie, I think we can all agree that the extremely romantic love between Wesley and Buttercup is the main driving force of the story. And that's okay, I'm not anti-romance simply because I'm aromantic. I'm anti-amatonormativity, the idea that every human wants and needs a long-term romantic partner. And while The Princess Bride is a love story, it is not a matonormative. None of the other characters besides Wesley and Buttercup seem to be looking for romance, even though they are extremely well-developed and do have clear objectives. Inigo, Mandy Patinkin, wants to avenge the death of his father. Vizzini, Wallace Shawn, wants power. Fezzik, Andre the Giant, wants to be useful. Count Rugen, Christopher Guest, wants to torture people. And even Prince Humperdinck. Chris Sarandon only wants to get married so he can start a war over the death of his bride. Granted, not all of these are presented as good objectives, but at no point is it suggested that any of these characters should abandon their quests and instead search for romance. A significant amount of screen time is devoted to loving but platonic friendship, especially the one between Inigo and Fezzik, which is fun and beautiful. The camaraderie between them and Wesley when the three join forces is a major highlight of the film. Of course, it's all in pursuit of romance and vengeance, but that doesn't diminish the strength of their friendship. 
Obviously, no one can deny that a major recurring theme of the film is that true love, which is generally implied to be inherently romantic, is the greatest thing in the world, besides a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich, which I assume is that world's version of cake or garlic bread and Miracle Max is an ace icon. But anyway, my point is that the movie emphasizes that the kind of love between Wesley and Buttercup is rare. If you find it, you should hold on to it, but not everybody is going to find it, so don't sit and wallow in self-pity or despair if you don't. And this is kind of how I always thought of romance for myself before I knew that being aromantic was a thing. It would be great if I happened to find it, but if not, there are other things to focus on. So, amatonormativity and its consequences, people desperately trying to find a partner, any partner just to have one, expressions of pity towards single people, etc., really confused me. As did the knowledge, once I figured it out, that most people enjoy romantic movies because of the romance and not despite it, as I eventually realized I was almost subconsciously doing. Like the kid hearing this story, I tolerate the kissing parts if the rest of the story draws me in enough, which Princess Bride absolutely does. The grandpa telling him, someday you might not mind so much about kissing rather than something like, someday you will like kissing, was almost certainly not intended to fight amatonormativity, but we can choose to see it that way. The fact that the kid wants to hear about the kissing at the end could be interpreted as he's finally growing up and accepting that romance is part of life, but it can also be interpreted as he's so into the story that he'll put up with the kissing at the end so it doesn't go unfinished, and that I relate to. I also appreciate that the movie ends with the grandpa saying, as you wish, to his grandson. By echoing the way Wesley said, I love you, to Buttercup, the grandfather is implying that those two different kinds of love are equal, refusing to play along with the amatonormative idea that romantic love is far superior to any other form of love. While I'm sure that a lot of people do watch The Princess Bride, at least partly for the romance, I think that, unlike many romantic films, the reasons I enjoy it are also the main reasons most other people enjoy it. The script is clever, quotable, and fun. The characters are eclectic and fascinating and perfectly brought to life by fabulous actors, and the tone is unique. Apart from the scenes in the kid's bedroom, what we're seeing is not the actual story. We're seeing what the kid pictures as he's hearing the story, which is such a cool way to tell it. Everything feels larger than life, but in an honest, pure way that makes it feel realistic even in its absurdity. The Princess Bride is a delightful blend of a child's imagination and an experienced storyteller's writing skills, and I think that is a major contributor to its enduring popularity, even if most of its fans wouldn't necessarily articulate it that way. It lives in that elusive space between childhood and adulthood where both children and adults feel at home and therefore love to revisit. I read the book the movie is adapted from once as a teenager, and I remember being struck by how, even though many of the plot points had changed, the humor and tone were perfectly consistent between the novel and the film, which made it, in my opinion, an extremely faithful adaptation. Of course this makes sense because William Goldman wrote both, and Rob Reiner, the film's director, was a big fan of the book. But often, novel-to-feature film adaptations get so focused on figuring out how to shorten the story without omitting important plot points that they lose sight of the heart of the original story. That absolutely did not happen here, and that's a big part of why so many people love this movie. Sure, the plot points are interesting, but we're really here for the unique comedic tone that was taken directly from the book. Changing the sharks to eels and eliminating the zoo of death were no big deal, but trying to tell the story without witty jokes simply would not have worked. I think of all the movies I'll be talking about on this podcast, The Princess Bride is the one I've watched the most in large groups. 
Most of my movie watching has been done at home, maybe with a few family members or friends, and I've certainly watched this one that way as well, but I remember seeing it several times at big movie night events. While I've definitely encountered people who don't love it and think it's overrated, most people I know are always up for a Princess Bride rewatch. And because of its wide appeal and quotable script, it's very fun to see with a big crowd. While I'm too young to have seen it in the theater when it was first released, I did go to a 30th anniversary screening in 2017, which was awesome. My favorite part of that experience was after Buttercup hears that Wesley's ship has been captured by the dread pirate Roberts, who famously takes no prisoners, and says, I will never love again. A kid sitting behind me muttered, well, that seems a little extreme, and I've been laughing about it ever since. In addition to crowded viewings themselves, just being familiar with this movie in general has been a very social experience. As a teenager who loved old Hollywood and frequently referenced movies most kids my age had never heard of, I know the movies I've talked about here so far are fairly well known, but just wait. It was fun to be able to bring up this one and have most people know what I was talking about for once. A few years ago, I got to participate in a Princess Bride script reading with some friends, and I read for Vizzini and a few other minor characters, and it was so fun. I kept losing my place because I was so caught up watching everybody else. The joy of reading this excellent script with other people who also love the movie cannot be expressed in words. Also, a former co-worker of mine loves this movie, and we used to quote it to each other all the time when we worked together. At one point, everyone in our office got these mood indicators, which were desk calendar-looking booklets where every page had a different emotion and a colorful emoji-style face on it. I guess to give people who approached our desks a heads up on how we were doing that day. I'm not sure how other people used theirs, but this coworker liked to cut out post-it notes in the shape of hair and various props and speech bubbles to add to them, so the ones in our department would quote bits of Princess Bride, mostly parts of the scene when Fezzik keeps rhyming with Inigo and winding up Vizzini. I'll post pictures I took of them on Tumblr. Have I mentioned that this podcast has a Tumblr? It's the-rewatch-rewind. The link will be in the show notes. I know most people stopped using Tumblr a while ago, but it's still my favorite social media platform, so that's where I've been putting the transcripts of this podcast. Anyway, while 15 is a lot of times to watch a movie, it feels like I've watched Princess Bride way more than that in the last 20 years, partly because of how frequently it comes up in life. Some films are more memorable than others, and this one leaves a deep impression every time I revisit it, so each viewing feels like multiple. I'm also still noticing new things about it. It took me until writing this episode to appreciate the humor of the man with the extra finger being a count. Obviously, the movie isn't perfect. It could certainly use more female characters and racial diversity for a start. But overall, I think it deserves its popularity and devoted followers. It's a well-told story with an excellent sense of humor featuring an ensemble of fascinating characters. What's not to love? Thank you for listening to me discuss another of my most rewatched movies. Remember to rate and review and subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice if you're enjoying this and want to hear more. Next episode will be the first one to feature a movie that was made after I started keeping track, so stay tuned to hear about something a little more recent. As always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. I don't have a skull. Or bones. Bones.